knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner going, he's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. Gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned is not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. I'm Colleen Sharp, and I have my co-host, Angela Whitehorn, with me. Hello. Hey, Angela. And, you know, I didn't receive any donuts this week after that whole thing. I was like, oh, kind of a little no. bit hoping I was going to get like a donut gift certificate. <laughs> no, I'm just totally... <laughs> Did we give the correct address? Oh, yeah. I don't no. think we even have a Theology Gals address. <laughs> hey, yeah. guys, send the donuts to the Theology Gals help desk. Um, we're there from 3 to 4 a.m. on Thursdays, and uh, it helps us deal with all the complaints. So <laughs> send us the donuts. <laughs> we're waiting. <laughs> right. I don't even, I only, I only read Twitter complaints between 3 and 4 a.m. on Friday mornings, actually. Oh, my goodness. And they goodness. have to be live, so you can't do them like Thursday night, and I'm going to read them. Uh, so they have to be live. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about suffering tonight, Colleen, so I, I'm super glad that you brought up Twitter. <laughs> yes, it's taught me much about suffering. <laughs> Why Twitter do we subject really ourselves? <laughs> Oh, goodness. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, then my husband's like, so why are you on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> well, somebody has to run the complaint desk. <laughs> That's right. I just, I like, I've been, my Twitter's been all just very boring lately. Well, one thing I wrote recently wasn't so boring, but for pretty much boring. So, um, actually, I have a really funny story. I I called my son. Well, I sent a, a family text and I'm like, okay, I ordered groceries and um, can somebody pick them up for me? And so Jonathan calls me. He's like, well, I'm in the car with Austin. We'll go pick them up for you. And I'm like, okay. So he calls me back and he's like, are these for you? And I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking, what well, did you think I just did a spent all that time on a grocery order for you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh I think my. he was all excited, um, although he's a vegan. So when he saw like the salmon and the cheese, he probably should have mm. kind of figured out it wasn't it wasn't for him. <laughs> so. Vegan salmon that that would be interesting. So. Uh, you know what? Actually, because I I did the the vegan thing. I did the whole food plant based diet for a while, and then my my doctor put me on something else to try to gain some weight. And uh, I will say i they make like vegan everything mm -hmm. vegan bacon vegan chorizo 
vegan cheese, vegan. Yeah, who knew? So who it's knew? it's there. It just costs like three times as much as the regular thing. Probably, right? yeah, pro- probably something something like that. Mm. Um, and that was a little bit of suffering, actually. Not having any steak. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard when you live with people that are cooking bacon and steak, and mm. you know when you like are you're on a diet or you're eating a special way, and you all of a sudden like things that you didn't don't usually crave, but you can't have them. So now you're like, you know what really sounds good right now? Like a big. Mm-hmm juicy bacon cheeseburger <laughs> that's what mm. i need oh stop you're killing me right now I, I i usually uh i enjoy low carbing and so um i'm i'm normally doing pretty well on that but i have my bouts with <laughs> eating food that's not on my diet and recently it, for me it's been i really want some hummus with some pita chips oh um, yeah oh my goodness good stuff um, because hummus with carrots just doesn't taste the same. It's not as good. Hummus on a on a little broccoli tree. Mm. Nope, not as good. <laughs> Actually, on our trip, um, I bought some hummus at the store, and my husband said, "Oh, we should probably, you know, eat that with some vegetables." So why don't you get some vegetables? Um, and then uh, we found this big bag of pita chips. So we'll get the pita chips, too. Let's just say the vegetables um, never got eaten. <laughs> so, because if you're going to choose between some, like, hummus and broccoli and carrots or hummus and pita chips, mm-hmm. it's just so mm-hmm. much easier to have hummus and pita chips. I so. agree. Now, I will say, I do not mind vegetables. I enjoy my vegetables but they have to be prepared the right way, which involves yes. a lot of butter, bacon, cheese, um, and a little bit of vegetables. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of Twitter and vegetables, and okay, so there was a conversation with some women. I think Michelle Leslie maybe was. And maybe I was going to ask you, because maybe this is a Southern thing, because this was like news to me. But there was a conversation about you know, keeping your bacon grease. Mm. And some ladies were saying, well, what else are you going to cook your vegetables in? Like that, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, it's so funny that you bring that up um, in the vein of it being Southern too, because um, this is one of my really clear memories of my grandmother when I was growing up. My grandmother who lived in Iowa always kept a very large coffee can of bacon grease and used it for everything. And so I think some of it has to do with just conserving um, and using everything, reusing everything, Um, especially like I have family who grew up in farm country and on farms and that sort of thing. And um, so I think it can be Southern, but not necessarily. Midwestern. Yeah, my family's Midwestern and grew up in farm country. So but uh, in the South, as far as cooking vegetables, um, uh, yes, I would say it's very, very common to use the bacon grease. But then also one thing that I would say that I noticed is most vegetables are going to be cooked with some kind of bacon or meat and then probably some onions, too. Like I'm thinking of green beans, like uh, right. bacon or like ham. Right, I've seen like green bean, yeah. like but okay, so when I make like green, I love green beans Me and too. I love them with bacon, mm-hmm. but... I usually um, cook up the bacon, mm-hmm. drain all the fat, mm-hmm. cook up. The, see, my my mom was like healthy before it was cool. So <laughs> in the seventies, 
Like my mom was making smoothies and my friends all thought that was like the most amazing thing. <laughs> nobody even knew what a smoothie was. <laughs> and, you know, in 1978, um, I mean, I guess there was probably some of that natural stuff in the 70s, but my mom had a juicer and we bought our fruits and vegetables locally from a, a a local place in Southern California. It was called the fruit stand, but they had all, you know, freshly grown fruits and vegetables. We bought all of our dairy at a local dairy. And my mom only ever steamed vegetables. Mm. With the, you know, she, she actually is very good at flavoring things, but not with, not with fat, I guess. Yeah. And so I didn't, I didn't know. I, this is like, I'm, I almost said how old I am. Fine. I'll just say it. I'm 47. And I just learned that people cook their vegetables in bacon grease. (laughs) I just, I just had a birthday. I was 46 last month. But (laughs) this is like one of those tweets where you say, how old were you when you found out that people cooked it? Today, years old. (laughs) I was today years old when I found out people cook vegetables in bacon (laughs) grease. But you know, I I almost wonder because my mother-in-law grew up in northern Wisconsin art like my mom and my husband's mom, you know, how they how they cooked different uh, things was just like very, very different. My husband's mom, very meat and potatoes. Mm-hmm. Like my husband had only ever had canned asparagus and I can't think of anything more disgusting. I'm not even sure I had it, but the thought kind of is like, <laughs> like yeah. regular asparagus is so good. Why would you put it in a can, you know, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and our, our moms were very different. And my mother-in-law was, was a wonderful cook. She made some really excellent, excellent food, but just so, so different. And I did our, my first year of marriage, I would call my mother-in-law and say, okay, I need your recipe for such and such. Brent's having a bad day. I, he would really love some comfort food, you know? Mm. So, but I wish, you know, she, she died four years ago. I can't believe it's been four years. And it was very wow. suddenly. Um, I mean, she, um, a month from when we found out her cancer returned until she died. And I, there's some recipes that I wish I would have gotten. So. Oh, wow. A, li- a little bit, a, a little bit sad about that. But I did, I did get some and I'm grateful for that. Well, we should probably talk about suffering so everything see since we're theology gals and i okay somebody we've had guys that have tried to join the facebook group but the best one was the guy when you join the theology gals facebook group it says um have you read the guidelines uh what's something from the guidelines that you may not do in this group and lastly it says why would you like to join the group well one man tried to join the group and under why would you like to join the group? He put observation. So <laughs> just to be a fly on the wall and see what you ladies are up to. Right. Just make sure it's all food and knitting in this group. <laughs> so. That has to feel a little bit of like, you know, if you're ever at the church when it's not Sunday morning, you know, maybe it's like a Wednesday morning or a Tuesday morning. Like I, I went to my church today to help with some painting and. It's it feels a little funny when you're there, and I always wonder like, is this the time when if a guy was here, would they peek in the ladies' room to see, you know, are there sofas and TVs, and you know, is is there a hammock in there? Is there a, a <laughs> like a private beach? What happens in there? It's like, yeah, I want to see what's going on, and then you look, and it's like, oh, it's actually just a plain old bathroom, and it's not that exciting. <laughs> This is what theology gals is like, you guys. It's <laughs> you can't. Yeah, e- exactly. Um, I was, although I, you know, I was about to say, is, 
you like the algae gals group is like the reform pub but with less <laughs> debate but then i thought you know i i i run a pretty tight ship in there so, that's true i like, was gonna say uh I think there are some days occasionally when the Reform Pub could be whipped into shape by Colleen. <laughs> if you want to know what I was, what I'm like as a mom, go peek in the group. <laughs> Except if you're like my kids, know, like I almost never ever raise my voice, but I also don't put up with. <laughs> Anyways, so that's the kind of mom I am. So I, I am kind of excited to talk about suffering boy that sounded kind of funny i'm excited to talk about suffering i thought if it's okay with you angela i would just share a little personal things before we start i think sometimes when you hear somebody talk about a topic like if somebody's like and today i'm gonna talk about how to be a good mom and i'm pregnant with my first kid you're gonna be like um well okay (laughs) you know yeah um and let, let me say, I think on the issue of suffering, something that's important for for me to say is every single person listening to us right now has suffered in some way. Yeah. And suffering comes in so many different ways. And so let me even just give some examples. If you're a woman that's miscarried, or maybe you're a man and your wife is miscarried, you've suffered. If you've had a bad day at work, you've suffered. If you broke your toe, you've suffered. There, suffering just encompasses so many things. And, mm. you know, in today we have kind of that gospel of, at least I heard it when I was growing up at a certain church near us when we'd go sometimes, if if your life is hard, come to Jesus and everything's going to be good. Yeah. Um, that That's just not even biblical. We we see, read through the New Testament, You there's a lot of suffering there that the people of God do, or even the Old Testament, suffering is a part of our lives. And it comes in many different ways. And one of the things, anyone who's gone through chronic health issues like I have, has kind of a list of things that people tend to say to you that is hard, like people mean well, and you know that, but we tend to hear the same things a lot. And so um, there are some things that are hard. And one of the, one of the ones that is hard to hear is when people say, I could never go through what you're going through. And I'm thinking, I can't go through what I'm going through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and so one of, the, one of the wonderful things about the Christian life and the Lord's work in our life is that he walks with us, whatever it is that that we go through. If, it, if you're somebody listening right now and you're just having some marriage problems or maybe you're having some troubles with your children or family troubles or sickness or financial troubles, any number of things is the Lord is near. And and that's mm. so important. So just from, from my perspective, I, I don't think that I've ever really discussed this in detail on the show, but, and it's going to be very hard for me. I, I will say it's, it, I am a crier, so you guys might not know that if you're listening, but now you know. Um, and it's not because I'm sad, but um, I think sometimes when you reflect on the Lord's work in your life, it's emotional. And yeah. so that that will be true for me. So hold on, I'll be editing some things out. So um, I have dealt with some really, really difficult health issues, and even that almost took my life. And in the midst of it, 
our family was hit with so much. Um, I spent a month at Mayo Clinic, and this one is hard. So I know. Um, I spent a month at Mayo Clinic, and my second to last day there, um, we found out my brother-in-law took his life. Mm. Took his life. So that year, one of the hardest of my life. So trying to pull it together here. Mm. A few months prior to that, lost my grandmother. And a few months after that, in a month's time, I lost my grandfather and one of my close friends, my close friend to cancer. And it was so much, so much. And I would love to tell you all, I suffered well. Um, and, and the health problems have continued. And as I've spoken about, um, you know, my oldest son, there was more that even happened. Um, my two middle sons had a best friend that they, they shared, and um, he died um, the following year in a car crash. And it was just so much. And then I lost another friend to cancer. And there was just so much at once. And then my mother-in-law, our family was just hit with so much. And when, you, when you're going through it, there, there are times, and I think the Psalms were very helpful because sometimes the psalmist is just so honest. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> why, Lord? Yeah. Um, and so th- there are those moments. And so if you go through uh, a, really, a really difficult thing. But one thing I, I often say is don't, don't ever compare your suffering to someone else. Don't, there's, there's always going to be someone who suffers more and someone who suffers less than you. So don't say, oh, your suffering is so much worse than mine. Because your suffering is real for you, and it's a struggle for you. Mm-hmm. And the Lord is going to use it regardless of what your suffering is. So that that is a beautiful thing. One of the things I will say is one of the reasons my faith is so much stronger now and how the Lord has used this is because... And I've seen this just in in uh, the Lord's sovereignty and grace and love and faithfulness towards us, is that He takes difficult things and He uses them for good. And, and we know that verse from Romans, you know, all things work together for good, and we hear it all the time. And but really, really think about that because it is true. And I I remember praying one night and I said, Lord. I don't know how you could use this for mm. good. And, and yet he has. In, and often in unexpected ways. Like you think, you think in ways like he's going to strengthen my faith and help me to rely on him more and things like that. But um, he, he uses unexpected ways. Unex- and, and that is the beautiful thing that only the Lord could take such difficult things and turn them into such amazing, wonderful, encouraging things. So, Mm. so let's, let's start Angela and talk about why we suffer. And there's so, there's so many reasons why we suffer. So we definitely won't, um, we won't, we won't get to all of them, but um, maybe I'm going to turn it over to Angela. Maybe she can read a passage or talk yeah. a little bit about that. Well, first of all, I just uh, I want to say thank you so much for sharing with us, Colleen, um, just all of these things that are so 
personal and raw for you. And I, I just appreciate your, um, willingness to tell, open up and tell what goes on in your life, um, to encourage others. And I know that we have listeners who are suffering. I know, just like you said at the beginning, everyone who's listening has suffered. Um, but I know that we have listeners in our audience who go through very difficult suffering and we need encouragement from the body, from other believers. So why, what does the Bible say about suffering and why we suffer? Well, let's, let's read a little bit in 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, this is starting in verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ. Okay, so that's telling us um, part of what we suffer for is to share the sufferings of Christ. And we are to expect to suffer as Christians. Um, You know, so sometimes we suffer the results of our own sin, like racking up credit card debt, being foolish financially, and you might suffer financial hardships um, from, from sinful choices on your own part, or you might suffer um, because of someone else's sin. Um, Maybe your husband has an affair, your child has a drug problem. Um, Sometimes we just suffer resulting from living in a fallen world. Sin has entered our world, and so nothing works as it originally did. Everything is fallen, and so Um, You know, we have natural disasters, like your home might be destroyed in a hurricane, or, um, you know, people die, you might become very, very sick. And so there are many, many reasons that we suffer. And we just know that that's a sure thing, it's going to happen, we are going to encounter suffering. You know, one of the things I think is, is natural, uh, Angela, is for us to say, what did I do Mm. to deserve this? And I think it's important to remember that not all suffering is is discipline, Mm, you know? That's right. I think it's just, it's just, at least for me, it was natural. Like, why do I have to go through this? And that person over there doesn't. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) crazy things go, go through, through your mind. But one of the, one of the passages that was helpful for me in this is John from John 9 as he passed by he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind Jesus answered it was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him it's good to remember, I know when I was on the regular Reform Guys podcast, Alan on there said that he tended to think that uh, suffering that's a result of discipline is directly tied to the sin. And, you know, and that that may be p- possible, but you you could drive yourself crazy if you play this game of, you know, if it's not obvious like, you know, you, you might not have cancer because you um, yelled at your children, you know. So mm-hmm, there's not necessarily mm-hmm. a direct correlation between something that you've done and now um, you're, you know, God's just disciplining you by giving you cancer or something. That That's just not a thing. Right. I, I, I want to say here, um, I, yeah, this is really important thing to know. Um 
when I was a teenager, a family member very close to me um, got really sick um, and got sick with an illness that was going to stay for a long time and was very difficult. Um, And I remember spending months crying and praying about, is this person sick because I've done something wrong? Um, Because it hurts to know that this person that I care about is sick. Is it because I've done something wrong? Am I, I I racked my brain with, um, what have I done wrong? What am I currently doing wrong? What am I not doing good enough? Um, uh, And I remember praying, God, if I um, will do better on this, please heal this person. And, um, you know, looking back on that, I realize now I really needed to hear that, um, you know, sickness happens to people because our world has fallen. Yes, it's a result of sin, but the Bible tells us it's not always as a direct result of your sin. Um, It's not always discipline, just like you said. You know, sometimes we deal with suffering and sickness because that's what the Lord has for us in His plan, and He is going to use that. You know, one of the first emails that we ever received when the podcast was new was a lady that said, can you please talk about this thing that people say, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And she she told me she was really suffering, going through a lot. And she said it really bothered her, and she didn't believe it was biblical. And she even sent me some articles on it. I'll have to look back and see if I can find that email in the articles. But I, when I was reading through 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 9, I thought back about that. And this is a passage that has been very, very helpful for me. Um, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And think about what that passage says. It's, they despaired even of Life. That means they did. I think uh, some versions say they despaired to the point of death. And so, and some people who've suffered very difficult in very difficult circumstances know what I'm talking about when you think, Lord, uh, I don't even want to live anymore. Please just take me. Whether it's a health issue, uh, I read a story of somebody went through a really difficult loss and just said, Lord, please take me. And so, you know what happens is uh, I have had more than I can handle. And mm. what has it done? It's taught me to not rely on myself, but on God. And mm. as I've said to my husband before, I've had no choice but to trust in the Lord. Like that was the only choice out there. I had to trust in the Lord because there was nothing else I could do. And it was that deep suffering which really brought me to that place. Mm. Yeah, I I think um, when we think about that the suffering is part of God's plan that He is using to help us rely on Him, um, there's an odd comfort in that. It is not like um, receiving harsh discipline. It is like um, a comfort in knowing that this suffering has a purpose and God is actually using it for my good. So what I wanted to do, Angela, is maybe just go through 
comfort in our suffering. So we've talked a little bit about why we suffer, and we've talked about, uh, you know, well, although I, I do think the passage from Second Corinthians kind of offers some comfort in our suffering. But I wanted to just look at some scripture passages about how we can find comfort in our suffering. You know, I always put every Sunday night in our in our Theology Girls Facebook group, I put a prayer request thread. And this week, I, as I was reading through all of the prayer requests, we have so many gals suffering. We've got a, we have one gal that has cancer and another gal that probably has cancer and is waiting for um, a biopsy results. We have two gals in our group who had very, very tiny preemies, uh, very, very tiny preemies. And, and that's a difficult thing to go through. Uh, we have gals having financial problems or maybe their husband, their stay-at-home mom and their hus- husband has lost his job and they don't know how they're paying rent next month. Uh, we have children that are sick and so, so many different things. I mean, you, if we, we could do a whole, you know, five hours just listing all the different ways that people may suffer in this life. But as I was reading through that, just thinking, wow, we really have a lot of gals that are are suffering. And, you know, let me just say this. There there is a difference between I had a really bad day today and I'm just in a bad mood and Mm -hmm. maybe my husband sinned against me and we'll be fine tomorrow and something that might be more ongoing. Sometimes financial struggles can be more ongoing, the loss of a job, an illness, um, something with a child may be more ongoing. Loss, I, I didn't even mention that before, but death, that, that, that's difficult for us. And I know most of us have lost someone in their lives. Mm -hmm. And and even if you haven't lost someone close to death, maybe you've suffered the loss of a relationship in another way. And so, you know, there's so many different, different things. And so I, I wanted to focus more on what scripture says about comfort. And so Mm. I think Angela and I can kind of go back and forth and talk about where we find comfort. And let me say this too, I will put all these verses in the episode notes. So, you know, you don't have to get out a pad and paper and write them down. I will put all of them there. Mm. So the first one, we should take comfort because the Lord cares for us in the, in the midst of suffering. He is with us in our pain. And, you know, sometimes no matter how you suffer, I always say suffering can be lonely regardless of what you're going through, even if you and your husband are going through something similar, or maybe, maybe like right now, my, my dad isn't doing well. And so my sister and I could maybe relate to we're concerned about my dad. But even how we deal with it's going to be different. So suffering can feel lonely, because Mm. You sometimes can feel like no one really understands all the detail of, details of my situation. And I'm always, I'm comforted that the Lord does understand. Second Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So let me just stop right there. That, that has been something I have really, really seen actually played out in our group. So you see people that have gone through a very specific thing, mm. and they have felt the comfort of God, and now the Lord is using those people 
to bring comfort to others. So let's just uh, make up something. Maybe somebody who has lost a child to death. In fact, I just saw this situation. So somebody who lost a child to death, someone else came alongside them and said, I lost a child several years ago to death. And they got together and and the one who lost a child several years ago was able to offer comfort to the one who just lost a child. Mm. And I think it's such a beautiful thing about the body of Christ right there. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would say, too, um, I have experienced something similar in my church um, uh, when I went through something um, difficult and shared with a couple of ladies at my church. I was amazed that one of the ladies that I shared with um, listened and responded by saying, you know what, I know exactly what you're talking about, because I went through that too. Um, And I was very surprised. But also, it felt like direct comfort from the Lord himself, like, like a hug, like a, because I know God is sovereign, and he orchestrated that, that I am at the church that I'm at, and that this person who I shared with and talked to, I didn't know that she had gone through the same thing. And so uh, it was wonderful. And it I knew in that moment, God, you set this up to comfort me. You you have me where I am, um, and you are caring for me through your body. Um, and that is an amazing feeling. Yeah, I, I love how you said that there. So it was the Lord comforting you by bringing someone in the body of Christ mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. And that, I love that. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, and... W- Isaiah 43, 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. And Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saved, saves the Christian spirit. And, you know, sometimes I know what it's like when you sometimes feel like God is far And we've talked about this so many times, um, even when we talked about the Psalms of Lament with Christina Fox a couple of years ago, that sometimes how we feel and the reality of what is are two different things. So even when you feel like the Lord isn't near, He is still near. Yeah. And He is faithful to you, and He is not going to cease to be faithful to you. That's right. Um, My women's Bible study uh, at my church studied the book of Joshua um, a couple semesters ago, and it comes back to my mind. Joshua 1.9, a friend of mine reminded me of this verse recently, be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is always with you. Whatever the suffering is, He is there with you wherever you go. Amen. Another way that we can be comforted is, through our suffering is realizing that God's strength is going to be manifested in our weakness. Um, This is from 2 Corinthians 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I was just going to say, it it really is a great comfort to know that we have confidence that he will use it for good. My kids have seen things I wish they never would have had to see. They've they've seen me very, very sick, and they've, they've seen me crying pretty 
um, desperately, and they've they've seen my husband scoop me up and rush me to the hospital, and you know they've they've seen me in in dark places. But my my son said to me one day, and this is a few years ago. He's he said, "Mommy, you're always happy, and it doesn't make any sense." So with what you're going through. So it must be the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it's not really that I'm always happy. (laughs) Um, But I think he saw the joy in the Lord. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's an example of that right there. And he's seen me not happy plenty of times. Yeah, (laughs) it's definitely not that but he he obviously saw something. And he said it, it has to be the Lord. And that that is when the Lord works, even when you're in a very difficult situation. And his strength is is manifest. You know, I think a, one of the ways that we have confidence in that is knowing, again, that God is using um, our suffering for good. This is Romans 8, 28 and 29. We know that God causes all things, all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Um, and that just really, you know, rings in my ear right now that it's all things, even awful things, um, are being used by God for my good. And it, it's important to remember that what you, th- sometimes what you think all things working together for your good means and what God <laughs> knows it means may be two different things. Mm. So if you're dealing with health problems, you may think all things work together for good means I will be healed. It doesn't necessarily mean that. Um, right. But it does mean that God in his sovereignty, which is another way that we're comforted, it, that he's sovereign, that he will, that, that he's in control and and he has, I always think if I had planned my life out, it would have looked much different than what my life looks like, <laughs> but it would not have been as good. You know, I thinking about God's sovereignty, I think about this is be real transparent here, but in Bible college, there was a guy I dated very seriously and we were planning on getting married and whatnot. And he broke my heart and that was horrible to go through. And People know it's horrible to go through a breakup if you're dating somebody. Like, I was going to spend the rest of my life with this guy, and that's what I wanted to do, even after he broke my heart for a while. And yet God had a better plan. I think about my husband and what a much better match he is for me, you know, than than this other guy was. And, like, God God had a, a, a better plan for me that he, that he was – Sovereign from Psalm 139, even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. And Psalm 139, still, hopefully I have these right, so I'll have to go (laughs) go back and look because I probably write things down wrong. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. That goes back to the Lord understanding what we're going through. You scrutinize my path and my lying down. And are immediately acquainted with all my ways. I'm I'm very comforted by that. Even knowing that the Lord has a plan already, He He knows the number of my days. Another way that we can be comforted um, by God is to 
think about his loving kindness, the way that he loves us, the way that he cares for us, um, and, and hold on to what we know about God and that his love for us, his loving kindness is reliable. It's part of his character. He's unchanging. This is from Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God, and lighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. That is incredible to think about the psalmist here um, is opening up talking about um, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? The psalmist is going through something very dark. And yet by the end of the psalm, he's saying, God, you have dealt bountifully with me. You have cared for me. You have shown me loving kindness, and I am going to trust in that. Um, And in verse 5, we have there what that means. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. That's the Lord's loving kindness to us. He saves us. This is one of my favorites. I've talked about it many times before. I happen to know it um, to music, which... uh, I, I love I love having the psalms set to music. Get a psalter if if um, that's something you're interested in, mm. and you can even find out there like a CD with with psalms on it. But having having the being able to sing that even in some of my dark in some of my dark times because. In the beginning of that, what Angela was reading, "How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever?" I mean, they. God hasn't forgotten the psalmist, you know, he hasn't forgotten. But when I said earlier where the psalmist was very, very honest about how he was feeling sometimes, this is an Mm. example, you know, we have psalms, why are you letting my enemies triumph over me and things like that. And so the psalmist is like, this is how I'm feeling. But as Angela said, we have to hold on to what we know to be true, that the Lord is full of loving kindness, that he is faithful that he has brought us salvation, and that we have a hope. We we have a hope, and that's referred to in here. Our salvation is our hope. We will not always suffer. You, okay, that actually brings me to my to the next one, which is the gospel. Be- because we have hope, I actually I want to read one of the things that has that probably I recite to myself on a daily basis, and. Several years ago, I'd memorized some of the Heidelberg Catechism, and question one is so beautiful and so comforting. What is your only comfort in life and in death, that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ? He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. That actually hits a lot of the things that we've even been talking about. We see God's sovereignty in there. 
um, we see that he preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly father, not a hair can fall from my head. So without the will of your heavenly father, you would not be suffering right now, which means the Lord has a greater purpose for whatever you're going through. But the wonderful thing is you have comfort because both in life, because you belong both in life and in death to your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, because of Christ's life and death on the cross, we have hope. So that, I can't think of much more comfort than that right there, actually. So. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So, you know, our ultimate hope is in the gospel, and um, we ultimately are comforted by the fact that whatever suffering we go through in this part of life, um, we have a hope and a future with the Lord um, that He is saving us. Um, You know, we talk a lot on our show about um, the difference between law and gospel, and since we're talking about our hope being in the gospel, um, I, I will just read a little quote. This is... You know, the gospel is where we have hope. The gospel promises the law is do this and live, and the law demands. So the law can't save us. The gospel um, is where our hope lies, and Jesus Christ saves us through it. Uh, This is a Michael Horton quote. The gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. So, um, you know, we have the law that demands of us and says, do this and live. Um, These are all God's standards. Um, But, uh, you know, we had a an episode just a few weeks ago about fatherhood and dads. And Scott Keith talked about that Christ doesn't doesn't say, just say to us, hey, here's the standard, keep up with it. We know that we fail. We can't keep up with it. What Christ does is says, I'm going to keep it up for you. I'm going to, um, to keep the covenant of works for you. I am going to obey the law for you. And then... Not only that, I'm going to treat you as though you actually did it. Um, That's amazing to me, uh, thinking about parenting, thinking about suffering, thinking about myself and all the suffering that I go through in this life. Um, Jesus Christ went through it too, and he obeyed the law perfectly, and he did it on my behalf, and he shows me his loving kindness and treats me as though I did it. He gives me credit for it, even though he's the one who did it. It makes reminds me of, we talked about this on our episode with Carrie Baldwin, uh, when the quote from Jay Gresham Machen, where he said, I'm thankful for the active obedience of Christ, no hope without it. That That is hope. That's encouraging. I wanted to read just a, a couple passages. First Peter, from First Peter 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Wow, that, that right there. It is our is a hope 
right there. And 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I got to tell you what went through my head as I was reading that. Uh, Do you ever think to yourself, like, in heaven, if I don't have this, like, how can I be happy in heaven without this? Okay, so my, <laughs> right, my right. thing like that, so I'll just be really honest, is it's so hard for me to imagine being in heaven and not married to my wonderful husband who I just love so much, you know? Like, wait, I don't get to be, like, married to him in heaven? How is that fair? But the what really stuck out, stuck out to me was when it said, producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. And so Mm. our hope is beyond, I think, what we can even compare it to in this life. So I, Mm. I think of our hope, like, for me, I often think, okay, so one day I will no longer have pain in my body. One day I won't feel sick all the time. And I, I wasn't real specific, but um, I'll, I'll just be honest. I I feel nausea almost 24-7. I live with that. That's part of my life. And so I think, so one day I won't have those things. But but my hope is beyond that. It's not just the mm-hmm. absence of suffering. There's something far beyond anything that I can compare it to. Yeah. And, you know, the Word of God tells us to set our minds on Um, the future, the things that are higher than the temporal. Colossians 3, 1 and 2, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, and that's us, those who are um, uh, the children of God, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. So, you know, we keep um, our minds focused on what Christ has done for us, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That's that's alluding to he is ruling. He is um, sovereign right now, and he is um, Lord over everything right now. Um, and we focus our minds on that. We think on that, and we take comfort in that. I, I said at the beginning I, that I would, I partly through tears I said it, so I don't know if it was heard in the microphone, but I would love to say that I have always suffered faithfully. Like, oh, you, you know, uh, Darby said something on our mm. podcast. She said that something like, and I, I'll have to find the exact quote, but, you know, I wish, you know, we say, oh, God is sovereign and I'll be okay. But sometimes it is okay to grieve, to be sad. It's important for me to say that. She was talking about the loss of her mom. Like, I think she said something like, I wish Christians would um, be okay with grieving more and, and those sorts of mm. things. And so I, I did want to say that. I think it's okay for me to grieve the loss of good health. Or if you've experienced some the, the loss of a person through death or some other life circumstance, it, it is okay to grieve in being mindful of what our hope is. Sometimes I think as Christians, we're like, you know, God is sovereign. I just need to count it all joy, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm not mm-hmm, going to be sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the first time I ever remember like suffering in a way that 
that was extremely difficult for me was losing a baby. And, you know, that's, that's a difficult thing. Any woman who's gone through miscarriage, it, you know, it can be a very, it's, it's a different kind of loss because you've never held the baby, but you may have felt the baby move inside of you as I did and things like that. And so now you've lost this baby that you loved, even though you didn't know, and it's a difficult thing to go through. And it was okay. It wasn't sinful for me to grieve that loss. So I don't, Mm. I definitely don't want to portray that you should actually just walk around and, and be happy all the time. I remember our pastor was preaching one Sunday. I can't tell you which passage, but it was Jesus healed someone. I'll just say that. And I just started crying and I ran out of the service because <laughs> I felt silly. And I went to the bath bathroom and I just said, why can't you do that for me, Lord? So I, I've had those pretty, pretty rough moments, but I do think that we do have some passages that in scripture for first Peter is actually a really big one. Um, that's, that's a good one to, if you haven't read through first Peter in a while, that's a good one to read through. If you, if you are suffering right now, first Peter one, six and seven, in this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So right there, you've been distressed by various trials, you know, that that might be reality for you that you're distressed. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. When I think of suffering well, I think maybe it's more not, I don't think it's necessarily about I'm just going to, yes, we're told to count it all joy, and we ought to. And I I personally convinced, because I've seen it in my own life, that I can have sorrow and the joy of the Lord. But I think that that in the midst of the sorrow and the grieving and the great distress, that we fix our eyes on Jesus and remember our hope also, not neglect to remember our hope. Mm, that's right. Uh, you know, just a little later in First Peter, it talks about our purpose. Um, this is First Peter two twenty one through twenty five. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in His steps. Who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in His mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. So, you know, I I do... um, I, I love this passage talking about that Christ suffered for us um, and that he bore our sins in his body on the cross and that he took our sins so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And it's talking about Christ being an, an example for us to follow in his steps that he didn't commit any sin. He was not deceitful in the way that he talked. And while he was being sinned against, he didn't respond in sin. 
that is very difficult for us. Um, but this is the example that we have been given. You, you know what else it is? It's a reminder to me that when I fail, <laughs> when I fail and I don't suffer well and I'm angry or may, you know, sometimes when you're not feeling well, you know, we've mm-hmm. all had times where we're just in a bad mood because we're not feeling well. Um, any mom knows that you have a little extra grace on your kids when they're sick because they're going to be yeah. kind of grumpy and maybe not patient and things like that. So when you do fail, when you fail at, at suffering well, remember that Christ didn't, that he obeyed mm. perfectly, even in his suffering. Yeah, yeah. It's that verse 25, for you were continu- continually straying like sheep. Yeah, I don't always suffer well. Um I mean, me personally, I often don't suffer well, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Um, You know, I have a shepherd. Even when I'm not suffering well, even when I am uh, irritable and terrible to be around, um, I have a shepherd. I have a guardian of my soul. Um, He suffered well for me. It kind of reminds me when you're talking about um, him being our shepherd, there's a little video that goes, I haven't seen it in a while, but once upon a time it was going around and it, you know, it's, they would have some sort of caption on it. Like this is, this is me when Jesus grabbed me or something. Um, not, mm-hmm. not being a second commandment violation, but they just as an example of a shepherd and the, and the sheep is like in the hole and doesn't want to come out. And the, and the shepherd is like pulling <laughs> out, like you're coming with me, you know? And I'm thinking, yeah, and that is me sometimes. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I want, I want to be rebellious right now. <laughs> I want to stay in my bad mood and be unkind to people around me. So the, the Lord, the Lord is our shepherd right there. Uh, just to, just to end I, one of my favorite hymns is it's funny how this hymn kind of became one of my favorite hymns. I I collect uh, old hymnals and I found a hymnal and I wanted it was from the early 1900s and it was from a reformed church. So finding a hymnal at a garage sale for 25 cents from the early 1900s at a reformed church. I think somebody at at that garage sale was selling some old books that their grandmother had. Anyways, and so I opened it up and it was a little bit after my miscarriage and I saw saw this hymn and, and I knew it, but it was but it was just looking at it at that moment really I, I don't know. It was just I, I read it at the right time, but it's um what air my God ordains is right. And I wanted to just read a little bit of it. If you look on YouTube, I, I really like the old tune. Um, but I think that's, um, I think, maybe, I don't know if it was Sovereign Grace or somebody put in a new, more modern tune. But I've always known it to the old tune. So that that's my preference. But it said, Whate'er my God ordains is right, holy his will abideth. I will be still whate'er he does and follow where he guideth. He is my God, though dark my road. He holds me that I shall not fall. Wherefore, to him I leave it all. And um, the last the last one, which is the last verse, there's four, so I'm only reading two. Whate'er my God ordains is right, here shall my stand be taken. Through sorrow, need, or death be mine, yet I am not forsaken. My Father's care is round me there. 
He holds me that I shall not fall. And so to him I leave it all. I hope that this will will offer some comfort. I We actually had even more verses that we didn't get to. So I'm going to try to organize them and everything we talked about tonight a little bit better. And I'll put it in the episode notes. I had put together for our group and um, some of this came from that a we have some resource sheets in the group and I'd put one on suffering so um, I'm going to look and see maybe I can combine those two with our episode notes and that resource sheet or if I think it's better I don't know yet so we'll we'll you'll have to just look at the episode notes and as I've learned recently not all not all of the apps that people use to listen to the podcast um, transfer our episode notes over well. So you can always find them at Theology Gals at, no, I almost said our email at TheologyGals.com. <laughs> or you can email us at TheologyGals at, at gmail.com. So let me just end by saying this, whatever you're going through, whether it's, it's small or large, whether it's something that's short or long term, I I hope that you will find comfort, especially in the salvation which the Lord has given to us, and that we have a hope. And I would definitely encourage uh, memorizing Heidelberg Catechism one one. And you can um, also there's also scripture proof texts that that go with that that can be helpful. So thanks for joining us. <laughs>